Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. From the field, to the film room, to the war room. We've got you covered every step of the way as the road to the draft starts right now on BGN Radio. What's up everybody? Hello and welcome to another episode of the BGN Draft Show. Today we are going to be breaking down the wide receiver class in the 2023 NFL Draft. Wide receiver three, specifically, an underrated need for the Eagles. We're going to talk about it. We're going to rank our top 10 prospects and then we're going to give you a few day three flyers that might be worth looking at. I am joined today, as always, by my co-host from Chalk Talk. He's got his own show on the Tough Cover radio show you can check out. It is Mark Henry Jr. Mark, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. Uh, like you said, wide receiver three, very underrated need for the Eagles, in my opinion. Probably the need that I think they could address with the most impact level player right away if they wanted to go that route in the first round. That's more of an eagle strategy question that we'll get to more down the line, but I do think there's a couple guys that interest me specifically for the Eagles here. Yeah, all right, and we will break all those guys down. We're also joined, as usual, by Dives. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Mr. Crockpot. You can check out his draft work for Edge of Philly Sports on YouTube. Dives, how are you doing this evening? Doing well, man. I'm not as high on these wide receivers as some here in the show, and we'll break it all down tonight. But, man, ranking these top 10 guys has been a journey. It has been a journey. I've had guys off my top 10, in the top 10, through the Senior Bowl, through the Combine, uh, one of the most wildly variable positions in the class for sure. Yeah, so we're recording a little later in the week, getting this out to you later than normal. We were normally doing this on Monday nights and getting it out to you guys Tuesday. But on Monday night, my son's coach pitch team had its first scrimmage. And I don't want to brag or anything, but I threw a one-hit shutout and struck out 12 kids. So <laughs> I've still got it. Uh, if the Phillies are looking for a guy, I, I have a great ERA thus far in 8UT. So. so I got home late, so we're going to record now. but. Uh, we're going to kick it off as we normally do. We'll go one to 10. That way, whoever has a prospect, the highest gets to talk about them first. Uh, but at number one, we all have the same guy. It is Jackson Smith and Jigba, the wide receiver out of Ohio State. I'm just going to let Mark lead us off because Jackson Smith and Jigba has been his guy since before last year's draft. So Mark, fill us in about Jackson Smith and Jigba. Yeah, this is probably if you had to stamp one guy as your guy of the draft, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Miles Murphy just throws his hand and he's like, wait, Mark, don't forget about me. But it's probably still Jackson Smith and Jigba. It's one of those two players. Um, Jackson Smith and Jigba has been a guy, like Shane said, that I came into this year saying, I can't wait to see what he does. 
and we got robbed of that. Uh, so my plea to NFL GMs, Howie Roseman in particular, is please don't forget about 2021. He, JSN's a six foot, 196 pound prospect, 8.29 relative athletic score, struggled in a bunch at the combine. But the reason that number is high is because he put up the best numbers at the entire combine in terms of agility in the shuttle and the three cone. He is a special quick twitch athlete in that way. He had 95 catches for 1,606 yards with 17 yards per catch and nine touchdowns in 2021. He had a 15 catch, 347 yard, three touchdown performance in the Rose Bowl against Utah. That was one of the best and most impressive games I've ever seen a wide receiver play. I remember it because I bet on Utah in that game. I think he'd be a no doubt top 10 pick if he would have played in 2022. Some people are worried about him being a slot receiver. Do people realize that he played with Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and outplayed both of them from the slot? They were both very good this year in the NFL, for those who don't know. And they both think that he's even better. And Brian Hartline, the Ohio State wide receiver coach, he just came out and put out a top five in terms of the receivers he's ever coached. At number one, he, he put Marvin Harrison Jr., a guy you could remember him for next year. Number two, he put Jackson Smith and Jigba. Number three, he put Terry McLaurin. Number four, he put Garrett Wilson. And number five, he put Chris Olave. And he said the top two was far and away the top two in terms of Marvin Harrison Jr. and Jackson Smith and Jigba. Everyone that's been around JSN in college, including Justin Fields, including CJ Stroud, including all of those receivers and the coach that I just mentioned, all think that this guy is a special, special player. He was elite in the slot and had two elite outside receivers next to him. That's why he played 82% of his snaps in the slot. I, I don't think that it's impossible that he could be used as an outside receiver at the next level. He's a former five-star prospect. He gets open at an insane rate. I think he's a special route runner in a similar way to Devonta Smith. He's a wildly dangerous yak threat, though, as well. 19 missed tackles, 790 yards of yak in 2021, which was second most in the entire country. Not only is he quick, but he's actually kind of stout, which makes him hard to bring down in the open field. You can't just arm tackle. Not something you'd expect when you're looking at him, but I've just seen too many Big Ten corners try to tackle him and have no chance. He's good against man, defines zones, uses great hesitation moves and head fakes. He's been compared to Amon Ross St. Brown. I compared him to Smith with the route running. I see some Tyler Lockett in there. People compare him to Julian Edelman. I think he takes a little bit of a lot of great receivers. I think that there's been a narrative that this is a receiver class without a stud in it. I think that's disrespectful to Jackson Smith and Jigba. And I think if he would have played this year, that would have been a different narrative. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. Jackson Smith and Jigba is by far wide receiver one in this class. The three of us don't unanimously agree on a lot of prospects. I mean, you guys have followed these ranking shows. We often have a lot of variations and you're going to see that fleshed out in the rest of our boards. It's not even close for me between Jackson Smith and Jigba and number two. And Mark covered it all. The only thing I'll emphasize is just he is such a good route runner. He has incredible footwork uh, and he creates so much separation. He's just smooth in every aspect of his game. Uh, he is a slam dunk top of the first round pick, in my opinion, for whoever gets him. 
Dives, do you have anything that you want to add on to the JSN Love Fest before we move on to number twos? Uh, no, I fully agree with everything Mark said. I have a top 20 grade on him. Uh, you look at JSN, I think he's more physical. I think he has better change of direction than Garrett Wilson, than Olave, uh, and who, like Mark said, were terrific their first year. So uh, great prospect by far, number one. Yeah, he is the number 13 player on my big board, which I know is quite a bit lower than Mark has him. I think, Mark, you have him at number six. Number six on oh, my six. overall big board. Um, I have him dead even with number seven. <clears throat> you could argue that I should probably bump CJ Stroud above him because of the quarterback position. I have the same grade on him, but I do think JSN is a better prospect, just you know, flat out if we're taking positional value out of it. Um, he could end up being number seven on my big board by the time uh, we get closer to the draft, but he's a top seven prospect for me for sure. Number nineteen for me. Number nineteen, and and you get and you get into that too, which is a discussion for a different podcast. But you get into how to stack big boards across positions because yeah. I know I factor positional value in a little bit more than Mark does. I have all I have the top three quarterbacks all above JSN just for positional value, but that's perhaps a discussion for a different time. So let's move on to our number twos, and we all have different number twos as we talked about here. Uh, I have Quentin Johnson. <laughs> Mark has Jordan Addison and Dibes has Zay Flowers. So uh, Dibes, let's let you lead off with Zay Flowers. He's number two for you, number four for me, and he's number five for Mark. Uh, talk to me about Zay Flowers. Uh, just an incredibly explosive, agile, dynamic talent. Uh, rare balance, both, both as a route runner, as an after-the-catch threat, man. Extremely twitchy athlete. A guy that can create separation up and down the route tree. Uh, I think this guy uh, in the NFL, in an offense that has a lot of pre-step movement uh, in the slot, uh, moving all around the field, could be so, so dynamic at the next level. Uh, this guy is known for his ability to accelerate quickly, make sharp cuts, uh, make defenders miss. Uh, that is evident uh, in the open field. Uh, he's got plus route running ability, crisp footwork. His ability to change direct direction smoothly. Uh, this guy can really do it all from a re receiver uh, perspective. I think he can play inside. He can play outside at, in the NFL. To me, his comp looks like Tyler Lockett at the moment. I see a universe where uh, he could be arguably the steal of the first round. Um, he's just an energized wide receiver uh, with blistering foot, uh, foot speed, uh, accelerative capacity, uh, just balanced to send defenders spinning in all phases, man. He's small. He's five foot nine, but I think he plays the position bigger than that. Uh, you've seen him catch balls, contested catches downfield, make plays on the ball. Uh, he play. He also plays with an uber amount of confidence that is really fun to watch, at least for me, because uh, that's what I want to see out of my alpha wide receiver in the NFL. Uh, I think I just think in summary, like. Uh, Flowers is the guy who will make the big play, throw the ball in the stands, uh, and talk trash to the cornerback he just burned. And I love to see that. We saw that from like AJ Brown. Uh, and Zay Flowers is a fun prospect, man. Yeah, I think he's got really good body control at the catch point. So he is small, but he does make the most of his frame. And I mean, it doesn't give him like a huge catch radius. He, he's small. He doesn't have a big catch radius, but he does go, do a good job of contorting his body, 
shielding defenders off in, in those contested catch situations, at least to the best of his ability. Uh, but he's he's elite with the ball in his hands. Uh, I, I did I will note he's got some drop issues. He's a bit of a body catcher, and he had an 11 percent drop rate on his career. And my other negative that I had listed on him was that I don't think he sets up his routes very well. Like everything he does is technically sound. It's almost like so by the book that the defenders know the book too. And so it doesn't really like manipulate defenders at times into thinking you're doing something else, but that's nitpicking. Uh, He's an exciting player. The size I worry about, I think he is, whereas I think Jackson Smith and Jigba can play outside. I think Zay Flowers, he can only be a slot player. Or, I mean, a move piece, you could put him in the backfield. Boston College did some as well. Uh, but that's what dropped him a little bit lower for me. Uh, Mark, what do you? What are your thoughts on Zay Flowers? Yeah, it's all size here for me in terms of why he's down on the list. There's a lot to love about the prospect, but the, the size is definitely concerning. Um, only a former three-star prospect, and I think that's probably because of the size. 5'9", with really short arms, uh, 1.32 in terms of the RAS in his percentile of height for a receiver. A lot of people seem to excuse that because he's really filled out. Like, as an, as an athlete, he's ripped. I mean, he's, he's filled out. It's not like we're talking about a skinny 5'9 guy. I just personally, you know, I say this every episode, I have a type. I lean towards kind of lankier receivers necessarily than the smaller guys. And it's funny because you'll hear me with a JSN. You'll hear me with a Devontae Smith. Excuse uh, size. You'll hear me with another receiver that comes up in a little bit. Excuse size. And you'll hear it with Bryce Young. And you'll ask, why don't I apply it to Zay Flowers? I tend to, and maybe this is dumb, but I tend to, if they're an SEC player and they play at that size, I feel a little bit better about it because I'm not as concerned about the jump in playing level from the SEC to the NFL that I am at Boston College and the ACC to the NFL. That's a little bit of my concern. But having said all that, Zay Flowers had an 8.29 relative athletic score. Um, And that's in big part because he tested amazingly to outweigh a lot of those size concerns. I mean, he's very fast. He's incredibly agile, tested great in the 40 to shuttle the three cone. Definitely a great route runner, a three-year contributor at Boston College. Reminds me a lot of Hollywood Brown. Um, The funny thing is about that is the people that are in love with Zay Flowers would compare him to Hollywood Brown's cousin which that's a dangerous comparison to make if you're going to throw Antonio Brown's name around. But uh, in terms of his absolute peak, you're if you're falling in love with Zay Flowers, it's because you have visions of prime Antonio Brown dancing around in your head. And it's not impossible. I mean, Steve Smith, really, really good receiver uh, analyst on on underdog fantasy, absolutely loves Zay Flowers. He has Zay Flowers as his wide receiver one. He thinks he should be like a top 10 prospect in the entire draft. He's kind of your receiver's favorite receiver a little bit because of some of the traits that he has. It's in basketball. They say he's your Hooper's favorite Hooper. That's Zay Flowers with receivers. A lot of receivers have come out and said how much they love this kid. And I, I think that there is a lot to love. I just kind of fall back to the size concerns that I have. So he's a second round grade for me, but I could absolutely see him playing that into looking pretty stupid throughout the draft process. He was, uh, I mean, at the start of the draft process, say flowers was always at the top of my list. And according to most draft analysts, like he was a day two, day three guy. Uh, and we really saw him skyrocket up 
the draft boards really fast. So it's, it's neat to hear us talking about Zay Flowers so highly. Uh, I never understood why he wasn't so high to begin with because he's so dynamic in the open field. Yeah. All right. Let's roll on here. Uh, we'll talk about my number two. It's Quentin Johnston. He is number four for Mark. He's number three for Dibes uh, out of TCU. He was a four-star prospect coming out of high school with a track and basketball background. And he became a three-year contributor for TCU with his best year coming in 2022 when he helped lead TCU to the national championship game. Uh, he is 21 and a half years old. He is 6'3", 208 pounds with an 82-inch wingspan, which is 96th percentile for wide receivers. He also had a 40 and a half inch vertical leap, which is 93rd percentile. In 2022, he had 60 receptions for 1,069 yards. That's 17.8 yards per reception. He also had six touchdowns. Uh, he has elite speed and long strides, and so he's able to eat up defensive backs cushions and off coverage really quickly. Uh, he gets on top of guys fast and he's also got really good lateral agility. He snaps off his routes really well to create separation and he understands how to use leverage and man coverage, where to leverage defenders and how to sit down and find soft spots and zones. And with all of that, he's explosive after the catch too. He had 8.9 yards after catch per reception in 2022, which was 11th among all wide receivers. And so there's a lot of upside with Quentin Johnston. Now, weaknesses, I think he struggles at times to release from press coverage. If you can get hands on him at the line sometimes, you can throw off his whole timing. And he tends to be inconsistent at the catch point. He he lets the ball come into his chest on routine catches instead of extending and catching it away from his body. So he's a bit of a body catcher as well. And that translates into him being really bad in contested catch situations. Uh, he had 23 contested balls last year, and he only brought down eight of them, which is not a not stats that you should see from a 6'3 guy with an 82-inch wingspan. And so we talk sometimes in scouting about a guy's traits, like the physical abilities that he has, and then the skills, how they translate to the field. And Quentin Johnston is a guy whose traits just don't match his skills, in my opinion. Like He is a huge wide receiver who tries to play like a finesse guy. And so early in the year, I, I thought he might end up being my wide receiver one. No disrespect to Jackson Smith and Jigba. But as I watched him more this season, that, that just become became more of a red flag for me. I don't know exactly how he translates to the next level. All of the physical capabilities are there. Whether you use him as an X receiver or a Z receiver, I'm not really sure. I know that he needs to refine his catching skills, and I think that'll do a lot for him. But uh, I have a first-round grade on him, but he's not a guy that I would be happy to take in, in the first half of the first round. So that's my thoughts on Quentin Johnston. Dibes, you've got him at number three. What do you, what do you see when you watch him? I agree, man. Uh, athleticism alone, like he's got all the upside of a wide receiver one in the NFL if everything clicks. But you look at weaknesses, his size, um, and athleticism and ability to track the ball. Um, that is his strengths. His weaknesses are just uh, his below-the-line route savvy, his unpolished route running, um, and all of that poor blocking all of that combined gives him kind of the the value of a wide receiver too at the next level you know with us with some added strength dk metcalf like he's got ridiculous upside 
but he's a, a home run swing, and I've got a round one grade on him because of that upside. Uh, but he comes with some risks for sure. All right, Mark. Anything you want to add on Quentin Johnston? Yeah, I think you guys touched on it on it really well. I mean, a little bit of a little bit of a looks like Tarzan plays like Jane situation <laughs> in terms of the in terms of the the frame that he has as an outside wide receiver and maybe not being as physical or aggressive as you'd like him to. There's just been you know I, I watched a lot of TCU this year. They were uh, a big time gambler's dream with the way they cover covered spreads and he was too easy to take out of games there were too many games where it felt like they had to go elsewhere because the team committed to take him out of the game and um he, he reminds me of a lot of alec pierce as a prospect alec pierce was a guy that i didn't necessarily love as a prospect but played pretty well actually once he got to the nfl and in a pretty bad situation so uh i i kind of agree with you though it's hard to exactly pinpoint what Johnston's going to be at the next level. If he's going to lean more into those traits and, and those physical abilities, that's going to kind of determine what he is. And I think you said it, he's a body catcher. So the Steve Smiths of the world are, are not, <clears throat> not big on Quentin Johnston. All right. Well, let's keep it rolling here. Mark, your number two is Jordan Addison. I have him at number three. Dibes has him at number four. So consensus we've all got him up here near the top but we'll let you take the first crack here tell us what you like about addison yeah i'm a big jordan addison fan and it dates again with similar to jackson smith and jigba it dates back to his 2021 at pitt with kenny pickett uh with he had 100 catches for 1593 yards and 17 touchdowns with kenny pickett in 2021 he's a three-year contributor and then he transferred to usc this year, he had 60 catches for 900 yards and eight touchdowns in 11 games with Caleb Williams, which is very good, but it was a, di a bit disappointing after being the Bolitnikoff winner of the year before. Um, it seems to me, just from watching a lot of Caleb Williams over the last two years, and maybe Shane can speak to this a little bit more since he watched him a, a year at Oklahoma, it seems like Caleb spreads it around a, a little bit more. Then we've seen a lot of the other top quarterbacks do. It seems like, you know, we've seen other Oklahoma quarterbacks or Kenny Pickett or CJ Stroud really zone in on wide receiver ones. Caleb kind of spreads it around a little bit. I think that's why we didn't see Jordan Addison put up gaudy numbers. And the yards per catch were still were still really good there for Addison. He gets separation so easily. If you can't tell, I'm a guy who likes route runners. It's definitely the the way that I lean here at the wide receiver position as being an incredibly an important trait. Great footwork, really wide route tree, three-level route runner. He seems to have an extra gear to his 4.49 speed downfield incredibly dangerous on screens usc seemed to rely on that a lot more than pitt did but he was pretty successful at it um i lincoln riley's a big screen guy so that makes sense um, i've seen a lot of darnell mooney comps and i get it because uh, you know there's a lot of similarities there but i do think that's underselling jordan addison a little bit um, I, I don't necessarily have a better comp to throw at you because uh, it does make a lot of sense. I don't have one necessarily that's that makes a ton of sense, a ton of sense frame wise for Addison. Uh, but to me, Jordan Addison is a lock to be a, at least a productive receiver at, at the next level. I can understand questions about his size or lack of physicality leading to questions about his upside. But I just keep looking at how he looked in 2021 in an offense that was so reliant 
on him. And I think he has wide receiver one potential. For me, he's a top 15 prospect overall. Um, I know he's a fringe first or a second rounder for a lot of other people. Um, so I'm definitely on the higher end. Uh, it's a shame that Pittsburgh is pretty strong at the wide receiver position or else it, it would be great to see Pickett and Addison reunited. All right. Uh, yeah, I, it would be interesting to see him back with Pickett. They're, they're so, I mean, I won't say they're so good at wide receiver, but they're already pretty good at wide receiver. But uh, I, I like Addison quite a bit as well. You, you mentioned the route runners and we both really like route runners and he's so good at that. He's got great feet, uh, great footwork in and out of his breaks. And he's really good after the catch. I mean, he was 14.8 yards per reception this year. Um, I think he does a good job of avoiding getting pressed at the line of scrimmage. Although if you do stick him, he, he struggles to get off. But my biggest thing with him is that he's really small. He's only third percentile weight and he doesn't make up for it with elite athleticism. Like if I'm going to roll the dice on a guy like that, I want you running in the four threes and he barely got into the four fours at the combine. So he's not slow. I mean, he's still like 56 percentile for, for speed, but he doesn't have that elite athleticism that I would want uh, for a guy that's going to be so slight. So I, I think I put down for a scheme fit versatile. I think you can use him as a Z receiver. I th think you can use him as a slot receiver. You probably don't want him as an X receiver. He's too small for that, but I think he's would be good for a lot of teams, but that's, that's my concern with him. And it's what ultimately had me put him behind Johnston uh, dives. What did you think of Jordan Addison? He's a great prospect. I have, I have a round one grade on Jordan Addison. He doesn't have elite athleticism, but I think he has near elite twitch and sync, man. There's a guy uh, that is just a natural athlete. Uh, he's got gr within 10 yards. Um, that's where he thrives. Uh, he's got great acceleration off the line of scrimmage. He's got a lot of polish in his route running. Uh, he's got a fantastic rhythm step that kind of, you know, keeps defenders kind of guessing where he's going. Uh, makes press coverage guys look silly at times. Uh, if physical corners try and like jam him at the line, dude, uh, <laughs> this guy will make you look ridiculous. Uh, really good handwork, uh, and he just knows how to get open. I think this guy does have an upside to be a wide receiver one at the next level. Um, I think he's fallen or dropped just a little bit throughout the draft process. And I don't know how much that's warranted because he's just a purely natural, naturally gifted wide receiver. Um, and I'm going to miss him. I'm going to miss him watching him light it up at USC with Caleb Williams for sure, because that was so much fun to watch. All right, let's go to Mark's number three. It is Jalen Hyatt wide receiver out of Tennessee. He's number five for dives. He's number seven for me. Uh, so Mark, lead us off here with Jalen Hyatt. You're muted though. Um, I'm talking on mute. That's, that's classic. I was making fun of Shane. And then now, you know, I'm truly the idiot because I was talking on mute here, but <laughs> Shane... I'm sure it was, I'm sure it was a much better burn than the ones you normally have when it's live on air and people can bear witness to it. <laughs> that's definitely fair. That's definitely true. <laughs> Uh, but Shane, I mean, he disrespected my man, Jalen Hyatt here. This is one of my favorite prospects in the entire draft. Uh, speed, speed, speed. That's what you have to know about Jalen Hyatt. This guy took over for a one to two month stretch at Tennessee this year. And he and Hendon Hooker 
were the story of the country in college football. He may have only had 67 catches on only 89 targets, but wow, did he make the most of them. They were a loud 67 catches for 1,267 yards and 15 touchdowns, truly special 19 yards per catch, six foot, 176 pounds, 9.49 RAS despite the size concerns there. And he didn't even run as fast as people thought he would or perform in agility drills that he obviously would have smoked. Uh, Great vertical, great broad jump, freakishly long arms. And if you go to the tape, 4-4 is vastly underselling how fast this guy can be downfield. Very sure hands and a very good ball tracker to go with that speed. People that are very low on Jalen Hyatt love to point out that he hasn't dealt with a lot of press coverage. I think it's something like 60 snaps uh, of press coverage that he's had to deal with. And good luck covering Jalen Hyatt's speed and press coverage would be my message to that. Uh, he won't have to deal with it much because it's a foolish strategy against him. His speed and his first step is so deadly fast that, sure, I understand the size concerns about a press, but, man, take your chances if you will if you're going to press Jalen Hyatt. Um, people will talk about a limited route tree. I point at the fact that every route he runs should have home run potential. He is that fast. People will point out that he was used in uber-specific ways in Josh Heupel's scheme. I point out that Josh Heupel isn't the only offensive genius that could figure out that Jalen Hyatt is fast and be able to use it in interesting ways. Uh, people will point out his size. I will point out, just like I do with Bryce Young and just like I did with Devontae Smith, that he did this at the highest level of college football in the SEC against the best athletes. He, This guy put up six catches for 207 yards and five touchdowns against an Alabama secondary that will have a first-round pick in Brian Branch and will have a day-two pick in Eli Ricks. I admit that there are valid injury concerns from earlier in his career. I admit that there are size concerns in terms of his upside, but I see some serious Deshaun Jackson potential with Hyatt, and there's some definite Will Fuller in there as well. I I love Jalen Hyatt. All right, well, I I will point out some of the things that you said people will point out because I have them written in the weaknesses <laughs> section of my scouting report. But I'll start off with strengths. I mean, he's extremely explosive and athletic. I, I don't think I don't think he ran well at the combine, and he was still 86th percentile for his 40 time. I think he's faster than that. He had eight touchdowns of 20 plus yards this last year, which is second in the NCAA, and so. He is definitely a deep threat. He's got really good hands and ball tracking ability. And for a guy his size, he's very willing to take hits over the middle to make receptions. And he uses that deep threat ability to open up the underneath where he's also a threat with the ball in his hands. He had eight yards after the catch per reception, which is just crazy stuff. But he is really small. And so he he lacks physicality and yeah, he, he didn't get pressed much at the line at Tennessee, and they did things to keep him from getting pressed. But I don't think that's a non-issue at the next level because I think at the next level, guys will be able to press that speed. Like That's one of the things you can do to disrupt that timing, especially for those guys. So I, I am concerned about that. And I'm also a little concerned about his route tree and, and the fact that he's just coming from an extreme spread offense that doesn't translate well to the NFL, the the hash marks are different. There's not as much horizontal space and uh, things like that. And so it, 
there's concerns about Hyatt. He was a dynamic player in college, but the fact that he's so small and he's coming from an offense that just isn't viable in the NFL, those are the things that are concerning for me. That's why he's a little further down my board. I, I I'm much low. I'm much lower on him in terms of my evaluation. I think that than most people I've seen. Uh, but I've got some concerns about Hyatt. So I've still got a second round grade on him. Um, but I have concerns, I guess, is, is what I'll say. But uh, Dives, play the middle here for us. Uh, where do you come in on Hyatt? Basically the middle. Uh, I've got a rounds one through two grade on him. I don't really have much to add other than uh, just cementing what both of you have said. I mean, he's got the upside of a true wide receiver one, but he's also got a really low floor. You know, can he play the slot? You know, what is his route running? He's a very confident dude. As we saw at the combine, he says his route running is very good. Uh, and I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I have him at number five. Um, and he's going to be an interesting one to watch for sure. Just uh, right there as one of the bigger home run swings of this draft. I think if you could get him like round two, that could be a huge steal. And that's very possible, I think. I think he's a guy that's also – it's the situation he lands in is going to be important. If he lands in one of these offenses, that's just going to stick him out there and just, you know, that's not a creative offense. I think he could struggle, but if you get in a place where you've got a really good outside receiver that commands some attention and the, uh, an offense that will use him creatively, I think he's got a lot of upside. So um, he's not going to be a fit for everybody, but some of the teams that he is going to be a fit for, I think he could do really, really well, even early in his career as a rookie. All yeah. I'm saying is don't let Kansas City or Philly. I was literally thinking the same thing. Like Hyatt at the end of the first round. Like a 49ers yeah. or something along those lines. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. The, and those are the types of offenses that he would thrive in. You don't want him to go to a team like Baltimore who has no receivers and has no passing game or – uh, you know, a team like that. Those are there. There's others, but not he'd to just still, he'd still not to just talented receiver Lamar ever had. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not not to just like you know have some other teams start catching strays on the draft show here. But there's some teams that he would be really good for, and some teams that he wouldn't. Is all I'm saying. So, okay, let's roll on here to my number five. Uh, he is number eight for dives, and disrespectfully, Mark has left him <laughs> off of his board to get back at me for my Jalen Hyatt thoughts. It is Marvin Mims, the receiver out of Oklahoma. Uh, Marvin Mims set a Texas high school record for single season receiving yards with 2,629 yards as a senior, and he caught 32 touchdowns. I don't think my local high school football team scored 32 touchdowns this season. Uh, he committed to Oklahoma like all good players from Texas do, uh, where he had a, a good career, but he saved his best for 2022 when he had 1,083 yards, 20.1 yards per reception, and six touchdowns. He is very young. He'll barely be 21 years old on draft night. 5'11", 183 pounds. He ran a 4.3840 at the combine, which is 90th percentile. Vertical jump was 39.5, which is 89th percentile, and he had a 9.13 relative athletic score. Uh, he averaged 20-plus yards per reception in both 2021 and 2022 with two different quarterbacks, and I think that's worth mentioning. Uh, he tracks the football really well. 
and he adjusts to it with excellent body control downfield. He had a 51.5% reception rate on deep passes in his college career. I think he finds the holes in zone coverage really well, and he sight adjusts his routes well, and he creates consistent separation with savvy route running. And he's got really good rack ability. He's also got experience as a putt returner, which is always a plus when you're talking about day two wide receivers, which is where I have him in this as the second round grade. Um, so that's all the pluses. He is a little undersized though. 27th percentile height, 11th percentile weight. He's got a small wingspan. He didn't run the most diverse route tree. And, and like Jalen Hyatt, who we just talked about, he benefited from a spread offense in college that doesn't translate well to the NFL. It wasn't as extreme as Tennessee's, but it's still got a lot of those uh, spread vertical tendencies. So I see him as a guy that projects to the next level as a slot receiver, uh, particularly for a team that likes to use their slot to to threaten vertically. He's got the speed to do that. And so I think, uh, you know, he's a guy that I would love to see the Eagles make a play for on day two. I think he would be a perfect fit in their offense. Uh, Dibes, you've got him at number eight. Uh, tell me what you like about Marvin Mims. I uh, just blew up the combine. Only three wide receivers had a faster 40 than him. Uh, had the fifth best vertical. Uh, although every player on that list was taller than him, uh, his measurements uh, matched the tape. Uh, one of the elite contested catch receivers in this draft. Uh, true wide receiver one upside. Explosive athlete uh, per the numbers. And uh, yards after the catch monster. With really good wiggle. Really good stop start ability to make, you know, uh, defensive coordinators sweat at the NFL level. Um, you look at this guy, uh, he played a lot in the slot. He played a lot on the perimeter. Uh, this is a guy who can play all three spots at the next level. Day two grade for me on Marvin Mims. Uh, one of those sleeper guys on day two for sure. All right. Mark, is there any slander that you want to throw Marvin Mims way before we move on? Nah, I'd probably have him too low. Um, I have him at wide receiver 11. Um, I, I'm kind of a hypocrite because a lot of the things that I'm nervous about with him, you could definitely turn around on Hyatt. Um, I, he's definitely a big play threat. I definitely think he's strictly a slot receiver where I, I, I don't really yet know if that's the case with Hyatt. Um, so I, I definitely have some concerns, but he definitely blew up the combine. He's definitely fast. You can definitely find ways to use him. His yards per catch are outrageous. It, it's just concern about route tree. It's concern about size. It's just funny to hear me say all that immediately after everything I just said about Dylan Hyatt. It makes me sound like an incredible hypocrite. Uh, but I, I do think the lacks play strength. I, I know that he's really, really fast. I know he ran a 4.38, and I know he's a heck of an athlete. I don't think he's the same level of Deshaun Jackson level home run threat that Jalen Hyatt is. And maybe I'm incorrect there. Maybe I have him too low. I do have a third round grade on him. Uh, and I, you know, I probably will end up rising him in my overall ranks just a little bit. I think he's in the eighties. He's already risen a lot, you know, throughout the process for me um, from being not a guy who I had in my initial top 125 to being a guy who was in the nineties to being a guy who's in the eighties. And, he probably has gone from outside my top 15 at the wide receiver position all the way up to 11. And he really was close to number 10, uh, to be quite honest. So and number 10 is another slot guy who's just a little bit more productive in college. You could pretty easily convince me to to switch my number 10 to Marvin Mims, though, to, to make the graphic look nicer. 
<laughs> yeah, he's he is the number 46 overall player for me. Uh, wide receiver five. I've got an early second round grade on him. So, okay, let's keep this show moving here. Uh, at number six, both Mark and Dibes have Josh Downs. I have him at number eight. So, uh, Mark, I'll let you lead off on Josh Downs here. Yeah, and I think Josh Downs, to me, I think there's a clear top six uh, in terms of how my receiver rankings broke off. And I think there's a a pretty steep drop-off here after Josh Downs to my next level of guys. Um, even though Josh Downs has a lot of size concerns, uh, five, eight and a half, 171, despite that, eight, nine, seven relative athletic score, amazing agility and speed drills, great in the vertical and broad jump, especially for his size. Two-year contributor and extremely similar years with both Sam Howell and Drake May. Uh, something that Shane mentioned there with Marvin Mims definitely also applies here for Josh Downs. He was able to, to be the favorite target and the very clear wide receiver one in an offense with two different quarterbacks. 195 catches, 2,400 receiving yards, and 19 receiving touchdowns over the last two years. And uh, Josh Downs, while he may be small, he plays in his head like he's six foot nine. So, um, I, I mean, this guy thinks he's huge with the way that he goes out there and plays. He's definitely a guy who plays bigger than he is. There's definitely some concern about the jump from the ACC to the NFL. And if that size is going to be a little bit more of a, of a deterrent than it was in the ACC, I'd be lying if I said I didn't have size concerns because I think if he was, you know, six foot, he'd be very clearly my number three receiver. Um, he, he's very, very good on tape, in my opinion. I think that he's rock solid in the red zone. You can use him in a lot of different ways. Um, probably, you know, one of the more fun watches on, on tape, but the size concerns and the level of play is definitely a concern. All right. Dibes, you also have him at number six. Uh, what do you see when you put on Downs tape? Yeah, it's funny because you look at my top five here. All five of those guys from JSN to Jalen Hyatt have somewhat gone up and down. I think I've kind of been right there <laughs> with touchdowns right in the middle, right, right in the middle. Uh, a guy with uh, one of the higher upsides, higher floor projections at this position, elite explosiveness, great body control in space, uh, above the rim type of wide receiver with really good fluidity and quickness. Uh, electric three-level threat, inside-out versatility. Uh, I think he's going to be an alignment versatile weapon uh, at the next level. Uh, I think he fits the mold of a quick passing game scheme, uh, like the New York Giants, a team that wants to get the ball out fast and let him go. Uh, that's what he's good at. Um, and, you know, on top of all of that, um, he averaged over 13 yards per punt return during his final season for UNC. Uh, so that addition to him being an electric wide receiver uh, in space kind of adds some intrigue to his draft stock. I've got a round two grade on Josh Downs, uh, and I like him. I think it'd be uh, a really fun watch in the NFL if in the right system. A really good fit for the Eagles as well, I think, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that as well. Um. I, one of the things that sticks out to me, and I, I talk about this a lot once I get out of the first round with wide receivers, is that he brings value as a return guy, kick returner, punt returner. And maybe 
That's because the Eagles have literally never had someone who can return kicks and punts. Uh, sorry, no disrespect to Greg Ward dives. Uh, but, but really, once you get out of the first round, you're not looking at surefire wide receivers. And so the best way for these guys to, to hit is to get on the field. And a lot of times that comes down to your ability to play on special teams. And you might not get any snaps if you can't play special teams because you might not get to suit. But if you're the return guy, you might get out there for 10 or 15 plays a game. And that's so huge for these guys early in their career. So he has that, which is a plus for him. I, I might overvalue that as a plus, but I think it's good. And he was surprisingly good in contested catch situations for his size, which is interesting when I also noted that he has a tiny catch radius and he's got an issue with drops. So some prospects just don't make sense. Um, but I do think Josh Downs is a really good route runner. Uh, he manipulates defenders really good throughout the route stem. And I think that's one of his best traits. Uh, he does a good job creating separation. So good slot receiver. If the Eagles are out there, if they're listening, Howie, if you're listening, <laughs> we could use a slot receiver. Go get this guy in, in on day two. Reminds he reminds me a lot of Jahan Dotson. Uh, similar prospect. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. Okay, let's roll on to uh, my number six. He's number nine for both Mark and Dibes. Uh, I I totally am blanking. How do you pronounce his first name? Rashi. Rashi. Rashi Rice. Yeah. I, I, there are too many guys that I've watched and written out pronunciations <laughs> for, and I did not write this one out. Rasheed Rice out of SMU. Uh, he is 6'1", 204 pounds, ran a 4'5", 140, uh, but, which is 51st percentile, but he did have a 1.49 10-yard split, which is 93rd percentile. So he, he explodes quick acceleration. I, if, if we were playing Madden, we would say he's got a little lower speed rating, uh, but he's got a really high acceleration rating. And he also had a 41-inch vertical, which is 95th percentile, overall a 9.48 relative athletic score. Uh, he had 96 receptions this year for 1,355 yards and 10 touchdowns. And, you know, I mentioned, but average speed, he's got elite acceleration. He's got very good ball tracking skills, and he's got great body control to get to off-target passes. So at 6'1", he's not the hugest guy, 36th percentile, but he does have a pretty good catch radius. Uh, and it all goes back to his body control. He's also a really good blocker, which matters, blocking out on the perimeter in the running game. And he's good after the catch. He routinely will make defenders miss after the catch and rip off big gains. Now, at SMU, he did run a pretty limited route tree. That's not to say he's a bad route runner. I think he is a good route runner with what he was given, but he just wasn't asked to do much. So it's one of those situations where you have to try to figure out is that all he can do or is was it all he was asked to do? Just because it's not on tape doesn't mean he can't do it. So I'm not concerned about it, but it is something I would want to ask about if I was in a room with him. And then he will make highlight real catches, but then he has routine drops at times. He just lacks consistency game to game and sometimes even snap to snap in what he's putting out there. So I think he is a pretty versatile guy. He's kind of a possession type receiver. Uh, maybe you could use him as an X. You're probably going to move him around a lot. He's not huge, but uh, that's kind of how I view Rishi Rice. I I've got a day two grade on him. I think I've got him in the second round. Uh, wide receiver. He's number 51. He's one spot ahead of Jalen Hyatt for me in terms of my overall ranking. So uh, that's kind of where I view him at. 
Uh, Mark, since I just mentioned Jalen Hyatt, I'll throw it back here to you. Uh, how do you feel about Rasheed Rice? I think you just gave one of the best scouting reports we've ever had on it. Like on a single player, you hit like every, every note I had, <laughs> uh, you know, every note about ball control, about limited route tree, about uh, ball skills, elite athlete, the, the relative athletic score. Yeah. I mean, uh, so many of the things that, that I had here, you, you totally hit on there. I have him as my, my number 68 overall prospect on my big board. So I have a, a third round grade there. Uh, definitely um, an interesting prospect, but you put it great, especially I think my favorite thing you said on the scouting report was the lack of consistency. Like he is such a hard player to figure out. Like I could be way too high on him or way too low. It just depends which time I'm watching him on tape because it, it just feels like game to game. It's, it's so, it's so random, but you know, he, he was really, really good his last year in college. All right. Dives, you have anything that you want to throw out there about him before we move on? Uh, one of the bigger upside picks on day two, for sure. Um, he's a guy that can dominate one-on-one -on -one situations, clear alpha type wide receiver, can uh, dominate all three levels of the football field. You look at 2022, 40 of his targets came at 20 yards or more downfield, 35 between 10 and 19 yards. Uh, 48, uh, 10 and less yards and 33 behind the line of scrimmage, man. Uh, you add his contested catch ability. Uh, you add in um, that, um, you know, that just alpha mentality. I, I think uh, he's kind of a clay that, you know, NFL offenses, offensive coordinators could be able to mold at the next level. Uh, so, yeah, uh, there's a, like Mark said, he's got a low floor, but a really high ceiling. Uh, definitely to be a wide receiver one at the next level if um, in a few years, if they it just needs to build technique for sure uh, moving forward. At the at the risk of being a bit risque here, PFF has Rasheed Rice compared to Adam Thielen. I just want to say always a big fan of a cross racial draft comparison. I, I think that that is that shows pretty, pretty creative ability to make comparisons there, in, in my opinion. I, I, I'm a big fan of that. All right. Well, we are through our top six here. We're going to throw to a quick break and then we will be back with our numbers seven through 10. We are back here on the BGN draft show, breaking down our top 10 wide receivers. We are through the top six. Uh, we're going to finish it up here with our seven through 10 and some honorable mentions. Uh, we're going to start at number seven. We've already talked about my number seven, Jalen Hyatt. We're going to go to Mark's number seven. It is Cedric Tillman. Uh, he is number 10 on my list. He is off of Dibes' list. So, Mark, why don't you lead us off with Cedric Tillman? Yeah, Cedric Tillman's a guy uh, I really have really liked, again, since 2021. Um, 6'3.5", 2'13", 8.6", relative athletic score, huge hands, freakishly long arms, elite size, elite vertical, elite broad. Didn't run very well at the combine, but to me, he appears faster on tape than he tested. Um, in 2021, he had 64 catches for 1,100 yards and 12 touchdowns. In 2022, he only played half the year and had an injury. He had 37 catches for 417 yards and three touchdowns, which would have been good. For 74 catches, 833 yards and six touchdowns extrapolated over the year. You have to wonder if that drop in yards per catch is due to Jalen Hyatt's increased role as the home run guy in the offense. I think Cedric Tillman's role 
kind of changed into being a bit more of a first down guy, a bit more of a possession receiver um, than being a, a big threat. He's great at the catch point, incredibly physical, probably the most physical receiver in, in this draft class. I, this, I, didn't necess- I didn't necessarily know how to write this in my scouting report. It's kind of funny when he has a corner that he can pick on, he's a bully. Like he is just so mean to a corner. That's just being overwhelmed physically. Like he will just throw the guy around and it's not even a contest, but then if a corner comes out and kind of punches him in the mouth, it's almost like the, you know, in the TV show, like when the, when the big bad bully gets stood up to, and then he like runs away and cowers away. Cedric Tillman like doesn't handle it great when a corner is really physical with him. Um, So while he is the most physical receiver in the draft it's kind of weird if you're going to be like a, a super physical corner against him i'm not necessarily sure if he's figured out what his answer yet to that is outside of just trying to out physical you um but he's great with his hands outside of that great body control dangerous red zone threat he knows how to make the first defender miss and create yards after the catch he's a big body that's hard to tackle. So there's a lot to love about Cedric Tillman. And I feel like there's a lot that's untapped into. Um, it would have been interesting to see maybe if Jalen Hyatt didn't pop up this year, what this year would have looked like for Cedric Tillman. If he would have stayed healthy as the wide receiver one in an offense. Yeah. He's a, he's a big bodied wide receiver in a class that has very few options there. Mm-hmm. Like you got Quentin Johnston, Cedric Tillman, like everybody else, there's little slot guys. He's 81st percentile height, 77th percentile weight. And that makes him noteworthy in a class where teams might be looking for an X receiver. Uh, in 2021, against Alabama and Georgia, he had 17 receptions for 352 yards and two touchdowns uh, against two of the best defenses in college football. So he's proven he can compete on that level. Uh, One of the things I think he does a really good job of is when he gets a corner and a trail technique, he does a really good job tracking the ball. A.J. Brown is really good at this, by the way, as well. Uh, Tracking the ball and then slowing his stride right before the catch point to create contact, and then then he separates for the catch downfield. And that's something that I pointed out on film several times that A.J. Brown does really well uh, last season. So I saw that in his game, which I really liked. Um I will say I thought he won against press with his size, overwhelming guys like Mark mentioned, not with technique. And he's really not that big by NFL standards. He's big for this class, but not by NFL standards. So I, I do wonder how that will translate. Um, I think the team that drafts this guy is going to want him to be an X receiver. I think that's where he projects best, uh, but he does need some technical refinement in that aspect he's not a guy that should be expected to like be an immediate contributor. Like if you're drafting him, I think that he's a, not a full project. Like you probably could use him, but I wouldn't expect to start him right away and rely on him right away. Um, I, I think that he is a more of a long-term pick that, than a short-term pick. All right. Well, Dibes, let's go to your number seven. Uh, it is Nathaniel tank Dell. He is number 10 on Mark's board. I think he was number 12 on my board. So he's just outside uh, of my top 10. Uh, Talk to me about Tank Dell. Uh, He was the nation's leader in receiving touchdowns last year. Uh, Elite release off the line. Excellent route running. Phenomenal hands. As someone like me who overvalues the senior bowl, this guy went there and did not lose a single rep. He had a 449 
second 40 yard dash at the combine, which was middle of the pack, you know, kind of like some others we talked about here, like Jalen Hyatt definitely didn't test as well as I thought he would, especially when you watch the tape, but talk about 10 yard split one, four, nine seconds. That was the third fastest time at the combine. Uh, again, like some others, uh, this is a guy that's going to heavily rely on off NFL offenses to kind of move him around a bit. Um, he is so dynamic after the catch last year, ninth in the country with 530 yards after the catch. Uh, he, once he gets into open space, man, he makes defenders look silly. He was tied for 11th with 19 missed, uh, missed tackles forced after reception. He reminds me a lot of Tavon Austin, uh, incredible upside in the right system. Doesn't have good size, does not have good strength. Those are huge concerns. No question about it, but man, um, a lot of corners uh, were worried about Dell burning them deep. And you saw that at the senior bowl and like, he is just a blur on the screen. He is just so fast with his footwork and acceleration. Uh, I have a round two grade on tank Dell. I might be biased, uh, but I, I think get without the size concerns, those are real. Uh, but he's just, he's right there with Zay Flowers in some respects. Like, I just think uh, defenders just can't keep up with him. All right. Mark, he's number 10 for you. Um, what do you see in Tank Dell? Yeah. The problem is, I mean, Tank Dell, I have been fooled by his type so many times before. I mean, and T- Dives just mentioned one of the all time famous ones, and it's Tavon Austin. I, Absolutely loved Tavon Austin. Probably one of the first small receivers that I I fell in love with as a draft guy, but that obviously didn't play out that well in the NFL. And Jalen Barton, probably one of my favorite day three guys of all time. I think it was the first year we did content together, and I was talking about Jalen Barton all over the place. He hasn't made a lick of an impact in the NFL. And these size guys in the slot – Definitely concern me, but the reason Tank Dell made my list is just because he's so uber productive. He was so productive at the college level in that Houston offense. 199 catches, 2,740 yards, and 29 touchdowns over the last two years. He's one of the most productive receivers in recent memory at the college level. So um, he really took over a lot of games at Houston. So I gave him the respect of putting him on there. He is probably, I mean, he's definitely a slot guy at the next level. Um, so it's just going to depend on what type of, uh, what type of offense gets him. I'm kind of kicking myself a little bit for having him above Marvin Mims. Um, but I do have him as my number 69 overall prospect. Yeah, man, I'm so triggered right now that you mentioned Tavon Austin. I- I've <laughs> done my best to forget that Tavon Austin exists. I will never forget watching the OU West Virginia game when Tavon Austin had five, it was like 575 all purpose yards, uh, 50 to 49 shootout. It was just a ridiculous game. I just remember like screaming at the TV. Can someone tackle the little guy? Um, (laughs) And there's some vibes of that from tank Dell as well. At the end of the day, the reason he's outside my top 10, he's just unbelievably small. There's not a single starting wide receiver in the NFL under 170 pounds. And he's 165 pounds, which is first percentile. And he dropped 21 passes over the last two seasons. So I just, I've got concerns about his hands and his size. And 
if you're going to have those concerns about your hands and your size, you cannot go run a four, four, nine 40 at the combine for me. And I know your speed on the field is more important. And he was a 93rd percentile 10 yard split and all of that. I just can't, I just can't do it. Uh, I, I've got him in the third, I've got a, a third round grade. No, actually I think I've got a day three grade on him, but it's early day three. Um, he's, he will be exciting. But like Mark said, I've been fooled by this type of guy so many times in the past. I just can't do it again. It's fair. All right. Let's go to number eight. Uh, we've already talked about mine and dives. Mark, let's talk about yours. It is A.T. Perry, uh, wide receiver out of Wake Forest. Talk to me about your guy. Yeah, you mentioned that there's not a lot of big bodies in the draft, but you forgot one. And it's A.T. Perry. That's the one more kind of big-bodied receiver. 6'3 and a half, 198, 9.84 relative athletic score. Elite 40-yard dash at 4.46. Elite agility shuttle and cone drills. Incredibly quick first step. One of the quickest first steps in this entire draft class among receivers. Very quick off the line. Great against press. Long strides for fly routes. A huge catch radius. Incredibly smooth route runner. Good in the scramble drill with improv routes. I thought that was something that I felt really strongly about in tape. I thought that, that was something he did really well. Great on third down. He's a first down machine for Wake Forest. He's been fantastic over the last two years with Sam Hartman. 152 catches for 2,400 yards and 26 touchdowns over the last two years. Hopefully, as a Notre Dame fan, we see a little bit more of that from Sam Hartman this year. He transferred Notre Dame. From Wake Forest, that's enough of Notre Dame talk. But similarly to Johnston, A.T. Perry, you wish he played his size. That's definitely the thing that's missing here from this, or else we'd be talking about a top five receiver probably. He can struggle on contested catches. He had a few too many drops. I think there's a lot of upside when you talk about his you know, incredible athleticism and his frame, but we are talking about a guy who will turn 24 this year. Um, so the questions do have to start being asked about what can you expect realistically in terms of improvement and how long of a window are you getting if you even improve him to his full potential. Um, I, I think that I probably still would take the chance. I obviously have him higher than a lot of people out there. I have him as my number 67 overall player, um, a definite round three grade on the guy. He's not without concerns, but there's a lot to like, and there's a ton of upside to one of the rare X receivers in, in this draft. Yeah, he's he's my number 99 overall player, 13th wide receiver. Um, he does a really good job of sealing defenders off on like slant routes with his body. He he make him come through him to get the ball. He just doesn't create much separation. That's one of my big concerns with him. I remember being all in on the JJ Ortega Whiteside pick because he was so good in contested catch such situations and he used his body so well to seal guys off and I learned after that that I should have asked myself why every catch was contested because he could not separate and that he couldn't separate in the NFL either. And that's my concern with Perry. It's why I'm lower on him where there's not a lot of big bodied wide receivers. You would expect him to be a little higher. I just don't see the separation on tape. And so that does concern me a bit with him. What did JJ run in the 40? I'm just at a, I, I can't pop. I can't pull it up right in my brain here. Um, that's a good it. question that I can look up. Oh, uh, 449. Jay okay, 449 at the pro day in Stanford. So probably more like a 4-5, 4-6. But 
Uh, yeah, yeah, AT Perry was four four seven, but yeah, I, it's a concern for sure. Really, really good agility drills, though. Yeah. Okay, let's go to number nines. Uh, I'm the only one with a number nine that hasn't been talked about, and it is Tyler Scott, the receiver out of Cincinnati. Another little guy, uh, 5'10", 177 pounds. That's ninth and fifth percentile, respectively. He ran a 4'4", 440. That is a lot of fours back-to-back. Had a 39.5-inch vertical leap and an 8.28 relative athletic score in 2022. Scott uh, had 54 receptions for 899 yards and nine touchdowns. Um, He has the speed to threaten defenders vertically. Like some of these other guys we've talked about, I thought he looked faster than his 40 time on tape. And he does a really good job of snapping off routes into the intermediate areas of the field once he's made defenders respect his vertical speed. He tracks the ball really well and adjusts to it downfield and i think he generates separation well despite the fact he's not one of the best route runners in this class but he does a good job getting separation and he's got really good rack ability in high school he was a running back and so he runs like a running back when he's got the ball in his hands but like a lot of guys in this class he's small he has drop issues he's got a 10 percent drop rate on his career and he's got things to clean up in his route running he doesn't keep his footwork consistent uh, sometimes he rounds off his routes, which is that's that's a worst enemy of a quarterback. That's how routes get undercut uh, for interceptions. He does that a lot. And I just don't know where he plays like he's got slot size, but he's not a good enough route runner to be in the slot. He rarely played there in college. And so I I think he needs to be in the slot. He just hasn't been there. So if you're going to draft him and put him as a Z receiver at 5'10", 177 pounds, Godspeed. Um, I think he's going to have to be in the slot and protected from press coverage more than that. So uh, I don't know what you do with him. He's a bit of a tweener, but he's got some interesting, he's, there's some intrigue about his physical abilities. So uh, he sneaks into my top 10 at number nine. Uh, does anybody have any thoughts they want to share on Tyler Scott before we move on? He was one of my uh, most underrated players on day three. Uh, I, I like him a lot. Uh, Mark, I call him the kind of poor man's Jalen Hyatt. Uh, this guy's got game breaking speed. Uh, he's, you know, he's got a lot to work on, uh, but he's one of those guys that can just blow right by you. One of the premier deep threats in this draft. Um, he's got really good body control can, you know, throttle his tempo up and down, uh, change directions on a whim without losing any speed. Uh, he just needs to learn how to play through contact. He needs to improve his ability against press man. Uh, not unlike a lot of things like Jalen Hyatt. Uh, so I thought uh, Tyler Scott's definitely underrated. All right. So we'll move on to number 10 here. The last guy. Oh, Mark, did you have something on Tyler Scott? Yeah, my whole thing with him is that I just struggle with the small guys that come from bad conferences like the AAC um, as opposed to Ohio coming from the SEC. Um, that's that's kind of my concern with guys like Scott, guys like Tank Dell, um, even guys like Mims to a smaller degree um, from, from Oklahoma. And um, Scott wasn't all that close to my top 10, but it's just because of the size. Um, he could easily transcend into being a guy who kind of transcends past that conference uh, stigma that I'm that I'm labeling him with for sure. All right, well let's bring it home here with Dibes number ten. It is Jaden Reed. Uh, Dibes, 
talk to me about Jaden Reed. I, he was going to be my honorable mention. I forgot you had him in your top 10 here just because I had a fun fact about him. But you go first here. Talk to us about your guy. Dude, I mean, uh, one of the biggest winners of the draft process, I think, is another guy that's supremely underrated. Uh, great separation ability. Dominated the senior bowl. Really good deep speed. Clocked in one of the best, uh, fastest times during senior bowl practices. Dude is a burner. Uh, There's a guy that I think uh, that has great change of direction skills. Uh, really good route runner. Uh, I think he's going to be dominant in the slot, like a like your like a third down guy uh, in the slot uh, that can uh, be a just safety blanket for a quarterback in the NFL. He's quick. He can separate. He's got really good strength after the catch. He's a tough guy, uh, really good blocker for his size. Uh, special teams ace uh, gives you a lot of value in the return game. Uh, <laughs> Eagles, specific, specifically Eagles, if we're talking like a day three guy, Jaden Reed, man, uh, I, I think this guy could fit in perfectly as that wide receiver three in the slot. Uh, just uh, all around great wide receiver. And uh, another guy um, that is being slept on, Jaden Reed out of Michigan State, man. he's He's been impressive. The the first bullet point on my scouting report for Jaden Reed under strengths is jack of all trades, but master of none. And the first bullet point under weaknesses for Jaden Reed is jack of all trades, but master of none. I think I mean he can do a little bit of everything and he doesn't do any of it great but he can do a little bit of everything which makes him a valuable piece to have uh on, on your team. It, your slot receiver goes down, Jaden Reed can be your slot receiver. Your Z receiver goes down, Jaden Reed can hop out there and he can do a lot of different things for you. But uh I I have a fun fact about Jaden Reed here. You want to hear it? Yep. How how old is Jaden Reed going to be during the draft? Jesus. Trick question. If somehow Jaden Reed went in the first round, you could say he's 22 years old on draft night oh, because geez. his birthday is April 28th, which is day two of the draft. So depending on what day he gets drafted, which let's be honest, it's not going to be day one. But if he was drafted day one, you could say that he was 22 years old on draft night. Otherwise, he's going to be 23. And I just thought that was funny. Cool. All right. Well, that wraps up our top tens here, but we watch a lot of guys. Sometimes there's some guys that just miss the cut uh, with this receiver class. I think we kind of got into some day three guys just in our top tens, but uh, Mark dives, do you guys have anybody that you want to shout out, give an honorable mention to here? Somebody that was just outside your top 10. I'll go last. I'll go last. Yeah. I feel like we touched on a lot of them because we had differences in the bottom half. So I went a little bit off the board. Um, you know, I, I could have went with a Jaden Reed or a Tyler Scott or a, uh, a Marvin Mims. Marvin Mims is my 11th, as I said. Um, and, and I could go with a Kayshawn Butte, even though I, I kind of think he stinks. Um, so I, I'm going to move on and talk about someone who I kind of, I don't know what we, I, I don't know what my opinion is on him. I'm ranking him in my top hundred because I think that there might be a lot of untapped potential, but Xavier Hutchinson from uh, Iowa state is not a guy you'll hear get talked about a ton. Um, but he is six, three. Um, he's a three-year producer in a terrible offense at Iowa state. He was so far and away the only 
threat at all in the passing game at Iowa State. Um, he had 107 catches for 1,171 yards and six touchdowns, 83 catches the year before that, 64 catches the year before that. His yards per catches are really low, but the entire defense knew where the ball was going. And when you were watching Iowa State games, he was their entire offense so there's part of me that thinks if you put him in a normal offense and had him do some of the things that he did well at Iowa State without it being your entire offense there's a chance that at the next at the next level this guy really really levels up I don't know what my opinion is on this guy I think he's a really really bizarre grade to try to figure out because of the offense he was in and because of how heavily he was targeted uh He's a really, really interesting prospect, though. I, I don't know what to make of him, but I, I thought to bring him up because he won't get brought up in a lot of top 10 to 15 receiver discussions. All right, Dibes, uh, what about you? Anybody you want to shout out? I do. I don't have, I, I've, I've I don't have anybody I want to shout out. I'm wide receiver <laughs> <laughs> all right i was uh, gonna talk briefly about Keshawn butte but i'm kind of with mark i don't think he's that good and he's not he's not super interesting so i, I i'm i'm done all right uh we're gonna i'm gonna give you a handful of day three guys just real quick uh one is rakeem jarrett out of maryland uh really good run after the catchability high energy player uh day three um another dude jonathan mingo out of mississippi a guy I looked into a lot, uh, doesn't have really good twitch, struggles winning off the line of scrimmage, but really good size, really good acceleration, uh, will probably be a possession receiver at the next level. Parker Washington out of Penn State is an interesting name, uh, another day three guy, a high floor, low ceiling type of prospect uh, that has you know really good upside in the slot, really good route running. Puka Nakua out of BYU is a really fun watch. Uh, definitely a guy that uh, you you need to kind of check out. He has experience playing the X, the Z, the F, uh, all over the place. Dominated. Go, go ahead. I'll chime in real quick on Nakua. When he went down, BYU was without a paddle. He he was huge to their offense. I don't know if that matters as a draft prospect, but. He was a guy who was incredibly, incredibly important to what BYU did offensively. Yep. Um, He's also well, a member of the all prospect name team. So <laughs> one of the better names in the draft in a draft that has a lot of good ones. Yep. Uh, he's He's got really good ball skills, uh, deep threat. And the biggest uh, sleeper of the wide receiver position uh, that could be a day two threat is Andre Yosivash out of Princeton, uh, big time, like Alec Pierce type of dude, great speed. He's a burner, six foot three, athletic freak out of Princeton, man. Um, he, he's got, he needs a lot of polish. He needs a lot of work at the next level, but his measurements are nuts. So Andre Yosivash out of Princeton dominated the senior bowl. Uh, one to watch out for. Don't these Princeton smart guys have enough? Now they're they're in a they're in the NFL draft. They want a Mark Madness game. A lot going on at Princeton. <laughs> All right. Well, that is going to wrap up our top 10 receiver rankings here. We have almost gotten you guys, don't look now, but we've almost gotten you through every position in the NFL draft. There's only two positions left for us to break down for you. We will be back next week to break down interior defensive linemen. And the week after that, we will wrap up our positional rankings with a linebacker ranking podcast. 
Uh, and then we've got a couple other little things up our sleeve for you leading up to draft night. So yeah, it's not the best linebacker class, but we'll get there in two weeks. We'll get there in two weeks. We got some interior defensive linemen to talk about first, but that's all for next week. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the BGN draft show. If you did, please like rate review five star ratings and reviews on Apple podcasts really helps us out. Click that subscribe button on YouTube, uh, tweet it out. Let people know about the draft show here. Uh, it really helps us get that out there because the draft is more fun. The more people know about these guys. So, uh, all of our stuff's out there. You can follow us all on Twitter. I'm at half and half underscore TPL. Dibes is at Mr. Crockpot. Mark is at Mark Henry Jr. Underscore. We've all got draft stuff on our timeline. Um, so go check all of that out. And we will be back next week, like I said, to break down interior defensive linemen. So until then, go birds. Go birds.